The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. Are all believers disciples of Christ? Will all believers rule with Christ someday? What is the biblical view of rewards? And why is the free grace position true? Hi there, welcome to Grace in Focus, the podcast and broadcast ministry of the Grace Evangelical Society. Bob Wilkin and Dave Renfro will be answering these questions today. I hope you'll stay with us. If you want to know more about us, go to our website, faithalone.org. We have thousands of articles we've written there on the free grace position, just about any subtopic you want. We also have a magazine called Grace in Focus. You can find out about that at our website, faithalone.org. Now here are Bob and Dave with today's discussion. I believe you have a question there, David, from Johnny. Yeah, he says here, I became someone who is now very confused and just downright scared. I don't know what to believe and who's right. I take free grace stance on everything because I feel that it must be right. It's the only way the gospel seems to make sense. He's talking about that versus lordship salvation. Right. And then he sent you an article. He says, it brings up a lot of issues that terrify me. I hope you see this email and, if possible, address the issues raised in the article as it would bring so much peace of mind. Thank you for your guys' time and service to the Lord and others. Okay, so the article he's referring to is by someone named Simpson, and it's called A Response to the Free Grace Movement by Philip L. Simpson. And it's 25-plus pages, so it's very long. I've just picked out a few things to talk about. Number one is discipleship. Simpson says all Christians are disciples, followers, and learners. In the New Testament, the term disciples is used synonymously with the term believers. In fact, the term disciples is used 27 times in the book of Acts, whereas the term believers is used only once. Well, let me suggest, first of all, that Simpson doesn't start out well when he's talking about discipleship. And this is on page nine of his article. Actually, the word disciple occurs 32 times in the book of Acts. He says 27, but he says the term believers used only once. No, actually, the term believe or believer occurs 42 times. Hmm. If Acts speaks of those who believed, that's the same as referring to believers, and that's 42 times. So more in the book of Acts is the term believe or believer used than disciple. But I would point out, Simpson is correct, that Luke often refers to believers in Acts as disciples. Mm -hmm. But when he does, he's always talking about baptized believers who are following Christ. He's not trying to say that all believers have been baptized or that all believers are following Christ. That's simply what he's talking about. And he says, I'm back to Simpson here. He says, while not all disciples are following for the right reasons, yet the New Testament knows nothing of a believer who does not, to some degree, follow and learn from Christ. Uh, That's absolutely not true. Mm -hmm. In the situation in Luke 15, where you've got the parable of the lost sheep, one of the sheep strays off and he's away from the Lord. In the parable of the lost son, called the parable of the prodigal son, the prodigal goes to the far country and is away from the father, 
and out of fellowship with the Father for a time, and then he later comes back. And we have examples in Scripture, for example, the parable of the four soils, where the second soil, Luke 8.13, believes for a time and in time of temptation falls away. Well, here's a person who falls away from the Lord and doesn't come back. Right. And there's lots of examples in this. So first of all, Simpson is wrong about discipleship. Sure. Yes, all believers are called to be disciples. Right. But whether we follow through in discipleship is not guaranteed. Now, his second issue is he says all believers will rule with Christ. Now, the free grace position doesn't hold that view. Right. He says, another teaching advocated by the free grace movement is the belief that only the victorious, overcoming, faithful Christians will actually get to reign with Christ. As Earl Rodmacher puts it, reigning with Christ is conditioned on faithful service, unquote. And he gives a number of passages. Well, his view is that all believers will rule with Christ. Well, the problem with that view is there are so many verses that say that only faithful believers will rule with Christ. For example, 2 Timothy 2.12, if we endure, Mm -hmm. we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. What he's denying us is the privilege of ruling. In Revelation 2.26, Jesus said, he who overcomes and keeps my works till the end, to him I will give authority over the Gentiles. In Revelation 2 and 3, the overcomers are the ones who are going to rule with Christ, not all believers. Now, in continuing this, he talks about rewards, and he says rewards are often emphasized in free grace doctrine because these men care about sanctification. Well, I'm glad he mentions that we care about sanctification. And we feel the mention of rewards in the Bible is a primary, if not the primary, motivation for holy living. He's right. He doesn't agree with that, but he's right. That's what we say. However, rewards are simply, as Augustine said, God crowning his own achievements. I would disagree. It is true we wouldn't accomplish anything apart from God giving us physical life and then God giving us everlasting life and God giving us spiritual gifts. And the ability to do his will. The ability to do his will. All that's true. But yet it's not true to say rewards of the judgment seat of Christ are just God crowning his own achievements. He also says we will, like the elders in Revelation 4.10, cast our crowns at his feet. I don't think so. If you read Revelation 4, 9, and 10, this is a scene that goes on over and over and over again, many times, every day, day after day, week after week, month after month. And what this represents I believe the 24 elders represent Israel and the church, and Mm -hmm. I think what this says is all authority and power and honor comes from Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's not to say that we're giving up those things. Remember in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says we're striving for an imperishable crown? Right. Well, if we got a crown and we gave it right away, wouldn't that... I mean, okay, maybe the crown lasts forever, but we don't get it. Yeah, right. (laughs) That, That wouldn't make much sense. The Grace Evangelical Society has recently started an online seminary, and we're preparing to start our second semester in February. You can study with some of the finest free grace professors and earn an MDiv degree in three years. There is no tuition if you maintain a 3.0 grade point average. It's time now for application and registration. Study the Bible, the biblical languages, and free grace theology with us. Find out more at faithalone.org slash seminary 
or gesseminary.org. He goes on and says, Earl Rodmacher, a free grace advocate, states in his book, The Disciple Maker, that Reformation-minded believers often are too focused on the cross rather than future rewards. What a contrast from the Apostle Paul who stated, For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified, 1 Corinthians 2.2. And he's got an exclamation point. I would disagree with Simpson here. It is true that Paul preached Christ crucified Mm -hmm. among the Corinthians, but the reason he preached Christ crucified was so that they might live a godly life so that at the judgment seat of Christ, they would receive an abundance of eternal rewards. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. It's interesting to note that 1 Corinthians 15 starts out verses 3 to 11 dealing with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, I wonder why. And he calls it good news. And by the way, you ask a question. Mm Mm-hmm. Very few people ask. I wonder why. I recently saw a video by N.T. Wright. He's a famous British New Testament scholar. Mm -hmm. But what I found interesting, he says the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11, is the good news that since Jesus rose from the dead, we're going to rise from the dead. And the whole rest of the chapter is explaining the good news that because he rose, we will rise. And once again, why did Paul have to do that? Because there were people in Corinth who were doubting and denying the future bodily resurrection. Physical bodily resurrection. They probably imported a pagan belief because Corinth was a center of cultic pagan activity. And these people were saved out of that culture. Yeah, and a lot of people in that culture believed in a spiritual life after death, but not a physical. Not a physical. Because they thought the physical material world was evil and the spiritual immaterial world was righteous. Mm -hmm. Notice the end of 1 Corinthians 15. This is where Paul's going in the chapter. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Mm -hmm. Why did Paul preach the cross of Christ? Is so that the believers in Corinth would labor for the Lord, keep their focus on the Lord soon return. That what they did in this life does matter. It matters. Because he didn't just preach Christ crucified, he also preached Christ risen. Right. If Christ was crucified and stayed in the grave, there wouldn't be any good news. Right. My point is the cross is not disconnected from eternal rewards. No. Okay, finally, the third point, he has a section, page 23, faith is not intellectual assent. And he says, but scripture indicates that while information must be mentally received and understood by the mind, the heart is involved as well. And he quotes a couple of scripture. Well, in several of my books, I talk about heart and mind are used interchangeably in scripture. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with the mind. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, Romans 12, 2. And so heart and mind are used interchangeably. It's interesting, he quotes Romans 4, 5 at the end of this section, and he says, Scripture makes faith and trust synonymous. I had written saying that they weren't synonymous, and he said, And to the one who does not work but trusts him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted as righteousness. Romans 4, 5. Mm -hmm. What translation is he reading from? I went and I looked. Almost every English translation says... And to the one who does not work but believes him who justifies the ungodly. 
that's the New American Standard, the Holman Christian Standard, the Net Bible, the English Standard Version, the CSB, the KJV, the New King James Version, all of them. There's only a few, like the Revised Standard Version, the New Revised Standard Version, and the NIV say trust. But Pistuo is routinely translated as belief. If Simpson did the work of looking up the word believe in Scripture, what you would see is it routinely refers to being persuaded or convinced. From a Greek standpoint, that's what that is, is to be persuaded that something is true. Yeah. And that is a mental ascent. And we have a bunch of articles, Johnny, at our website, faithalone.org, on Faith is Persuasion. Go there and take a look at it, or go and see my book, The Ten Most Misunderstood Words in the Bible. I have a chapter on faith. Mm -hmm. It lays all this out. Excellent. Well, thanks so much, Johnny, and thanks to all of you. And remember, keep Keep grace grace in focus. invite you to check out our Monday, Wednesday, and Friday five-minute YouTube videos at YouTube Grace Evangelical Society. You will love the content and learn a lot. Maybe you've got a question or comment or feedback. If so, please send us a message. Here's our email address. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. Please make sure your question is as succinct and clear as possible. That would be a great big help. On the next episode, where did Lordship Salvation come from and how long has it been taught? Hope you'll plan to join us. And until then, let's keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.